Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by Investors Bank, Hackensack Meridian Health, keep getting better, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, MD Advantage Insurance Company, the Russell Berry Foundation, making a difference, Johnson & Johnson, ADP, always designing for people, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, and by N.J. Best, New Jersey's 529 College Savings Plan. Promotional support provided by NorthJersey.com and Local IQ, part of the USA Today Network. And by N.J. On Air. This is Think Tank. I'm Steve Adubato. That is Nicole Swinerton, our senior producer. Nicole, let's uh, let let's uh, lay out everything we have for folks today. We have Tim Neftali, right? Tell everyone who he is. Tim is a presidential historian. You may have seen him on CNN. He's also the former director of the Richard Nixon uh, Presidential Library and Museum. And he really talks about uh, the tenure of President Trump and really tells us uh, how he thinks he has done as a leader. Yeah, he puts the Trump presidency in perspective. We're taping, by the way, on November the 5th, 2020. We'll see how things play out. But I'm a student of presidential leadership, of history, of Lincoln, of, of Jefferson, of, of Washington, of all of them. And what does the Trump presidency mean in historical perspective? We're switching, we're dramatically talking about media with John Castamatidis, who is, in fact, the chairman and CEO of Red Apple Group. Who are they? They're the folks who just bought WABC radio, 77 WABC, local radio matters, Nicole. That's right. He also talks about really the trust in the media and how uh, people may not trust the media as much as they used to. And he really wants to be delivering the truth. And he also has a very different perspective on President Trump's leadership than Tim Naftali, who you just who you will just have seen. Yeah, because diversity of opinion is what we seek here on Think Tank. Speaking of diversity, beyond politics and beyond policy and beyond the courts, and the presidency, Bob Feinberg, who is the uh, not just the general counsel and secretary at WNET, but the CEO and founder of Montclair Film Festival. Art's important, right? Oh, for sure. He talks about how the film festival is really this awesome initiative for um, bringing arts and education to the community. So I think that's something that is an everlasting need uh, in the state, in the country. And he really puts that in perspective in, in a challenging year. Uh, 10 seconds on our funders. Sure. So we'd love to thank Investors Bank, Hackensack Meridian Health, Horizon, and the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Got to say thank you to the people who help us do what we do. Without further ado, Think Tank. Hi, this is Steve Adubato. Welcome to uh, a very special edition of our program. Look, we're taping this on the 22nd of October. We're not trying to hide when we're taping it. There'll be either a new president or Donald Trump will be the president moving forward for another four years. So the history of the presidency, what this election means is huge. And so there's no better person to speak to other than um, Dr. Tim Neftali, who is presidential, presidential historian, NYU, former director of the Richard Nixon Presidential Library and Museum. You see him on a whole range of national broadcasts. And we're honored to have him with us. Thank you, doctor. My pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Good to be here. Tim, let, let's put this in perspective. We don't know who's going to win this election, but let's do the Donald Trump presidency. 
whether he wins or not, as we do this program, what are some of the adjectives, and I've read some of the things you've said, that you would use to describe the Trump presidency to date? I would use the, um, I would use the adjectives chaotic, idiosyncratic, corrupt, uh, dangerous, uh, and incompetent to describe the presidency. Um, this presidency began um, with a with what I what many of us remember as the carnage uh, inaugural address. Presidents use their uh, inauguration to set a tone. Uh, uh, the election is over. They are now commander in chief, and they don't have to worry about a rebuttal immediately from someone else who wants to be in the White House. And so that's usually an opportunity for some maybe rhetorical excess, but also for some stage setting. The president used his speech in 2017 to, 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 to drive wedges in our country, rather than pulling us together and saying, look, many of you didn't vote for me. In fact, most of you didn't vote for me, but here's my vision for everybody. And he didn't do that. And he has been consistent, and his presidency has been consistent since day one. Um, he focuses on the group of people that like him, and he wants them to continue liking him. And those that do not, for one reason or another, approve of him or like him, he either ignores at best or attacks. And that has made his presidency more divisive, um, more poisonous than any presidency since Andrew Johnson in the 19th century. So let's do this. If President Trump were to not win, what would his presidency mean to the country moving forward if he were not the president in the middle of January 2021? Well, I, I would hope that should that happen, we would have a, a national conversation and to some extent, some extent a national reckoning where we thought about um, the norm busting and norm twisting of the, of the Trump era and ask ourselves, do we want our future presidents to act that way? Let me give you some examples. Do we want future presidents to conflate their personal financial interests with the interests of the United States? Um, the entire impeachment story, which I recognize was, was complicated. Uh, there, are, there are moments in that story, Steve, when I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky my, my parents were very supportive. I, my father once said to me, are you ever going to finish school? Um, <laughs> I, I've, got a, I've got quite a few degrees. Um, and, and I don't, you know, it's not fair to expect other people to be as wonkish about policy as, as people like me are. And I think you needed to really understand foreign policy to know the extent to which what Donald Trump did regarding Ukraine was really threatening to the whole concept of the way we do foreign policy. You do not want the needs of the individual who happens to be in the White House to dictate our policy with foreigners. It's very dangerous, you know, because then foreigners can take advantage of us. I, I mean, I'm not saying allies necessarily, but people who are adversaries. If sure. you, you make clear to them, I need you to do this for me, they will find a way to do it and then ask for something in return. Okay, so the American people <clears throat> on the ballot in 2020 was whether the American people were okay with that. Is that okay? Or enough American people in the right states 
in the Electoral College against right. 270. When this is seen after the election, hopefully we will know. Go yes. ahead. Secondly, each time President Trump went to one of his properties to play golf, and I, I'm a very bad golfer, but I, I'm, I don't hold it against somebody else to play golf. Each time, you, uh, I, you know, uh, I could hear a cash register going off because his family was getting paid. All of the people that we as Americans want to protect our president and to work with our president, they were all staying at his property, at his hotel, and paying money to his family. Why is that relevant to the presidency and the history of the presidency moving forward? Because that's corruption. That is, we, uh, Richard, one of the, one of the, um, one of the charges against Richard Nixon was that he had used his office to enrich himself. And actually, he paid a price for that. Um, Richard Nixon also had to pay back taxes uh, because it was determined that he had taken inappropriate tax deductions. So in, in the 1970s, during Watergate, Watergate was not simply about a cover-up and obstruction of justice. It was also about the personal ethics of the president. So again, on the ballot this year is this question of, do we want presidents to enrich themselves in the White House? Finally, also extremely important for future presidencies, do we want our top officials in the government to be more concerned about loyalty to the president than loyalty to facts, science, and the needs of the American people? So the, COVID, the leadership around COVID, and by the way, I'm asking you in a second the time we have, what happens if President Trump wins re-election? Do you believe President Trump will ultimately be judged by history based on his leadership around COVID-19? There is no question in my mind, Steve, uh, that, that the president's lack of leadership, his decision to go AWOL on uh, the coronavirus pandemic uh, emergency will be uh, one of the sources of judgment on this president, perhaps the most important. When he there says, are, I don't want to panic the American people, you say? Well, that the fact that his most important concern was not the well-being of the American people, is the reason that he will be judged harshly. There are few presidents who, who find themselves facing a national emergency, let alone an international emergency. Those presidents are tested. Roosevelt, uh, others, Roosevelt, Lincoln. George w. Bush, George W. Bush. And the test, it's, in a sense, it's unfair because we are, all, we are asking more of a president, more of a person than most anyone could imagine um, dealing with but it comes with a job. Donald Trump had that challenge with the coronavirus and he did worse than MIFID. It, it's not that he didn't act as a policy expert will want to act, it's that he actually denied publicly, while knowing privately, denied publicly that it was a menace and thus encouraged people. He's an influencer. The president is a major influencer. He encouraged people to engage in risky behavior, which, I think it's fair to say, increase the number of cases and more than likely increase the number of deaths. That is unpresidential behavior. Tim, I got a minute left. If President Trump were to win this election in just a few days from when we're taping, what would it mean to the American presidency, in your opinion, as a historian? Uh, I'm asked often, will Donald Trump change the norms of the presidency? If he's reelected, he will. Um, people, the people following him, a generation following him, will look to his misconduct and say, it's okay, 
with enough Americans for me to gain power. And that will lead to more unethical leadership, to less stable foreign policy, and I think to a much less effective uh, federal and state governments in the future because young people who want power will learn the wrong lessons from Donald Trump. Tim, I want to thank you. Uh, I enjoy your writings. I enjoy your work on, on national broadcasts. And we're honored to have you in our public television family sharing your perspective. Thank you, Tim. My pleasure. Thank you, Steve. It's an important uh, race, and what happens matters. A big deal. Uh, we'll be back after this. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. I'm Tim Sullivan, CEO of the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Since joining the NJEDA, I've been struck by the incredible assets and resources that New Jersey has to offer. The NJEDA is working every day to grow New Jersey's economy in a way that maximizes the values of those assets to benefit every single New Jersey resident. This includes more support for small businesses and a focus on reclaiming New Jersey's position as a leader in the innovation economy. Visit NJEDA.com to learn more about how NJEDA is building a stronger and fairer New Jersey economy. Welcome back. Steve Adubato, more importantly, uh, talk about a media icon. He's John Kasmatidis, chairman and CEO, Red Apple Group, uh, Red Apple Media. They have, as part of their universe, uh, WAB77, WABC, and a whole range of other media outlets. John, good to see you. Uh, always good to see you. How are you, how have you been? Doing all You're right healthy. during these challenging, challenging times. Listen, we're taping on the 22nd of October. It'll be seen after the election. We just had a presidential historian on. We said, we don't know how the election's going to go. But we had him talk about President Trump's leadership. And let's just say it wasn't kind or positive. You respect President Trump. What leadership traits do you like about him? And how do you believe, whether he wins or loses, will be seen by history? Well, first of all, I know uh, President Trump for 35 years. Uh, and I have not, in, in, and we know each other pretty well. But I've never taken him to dinner before he was president. And he's never taken me to dinner. So, you know, it's just, uh, and, and I say, maybe we, it's two different personalities. But I'll tell you that uh, President Trump, if, you, if we judge him on personality, he loses. If we judge him on performance and protecting the United States of America, he's a winner. I mean, he... He is, he, I would love to be in a trench hole with him or in a foxhole. Uh, the Chinese don't want him to win. The Russians don't want him to win. The Iranians don't want him to win. Why? Because he stood up against them. And uh, uh, he's gotten a North, uh, North America trade agreement done with Mexico and, and Canada. We're all in the same boat in North America. Why did the Russians and the, and the Saudi Arabians shake hands and move oil from $60 down to $20 to break, to break all the fracking companies? You know, people want to know the truth. My job and the reason I went into media is I want to be Walter Cronkite. 92% of the people in America believed Walter Cronkite. Right now, that number is, is almost zero. 
No, no, John, you're right. The media is fragmented. Uh, we're the enemy of the people in the eyes of some. Too many of us have a point of view as opposed to trying to get at the truth. By the way, check out John's program every Sunday morning, uh, Sunday at 8.30 to 10, the Cats Roundtable. That is on AM 970, correct? It's on uh, WABC uh, AM 970 and on WABC radio and about uh, 10 or 15 other stations out in Long Island, WLIR. That yep. we just bought, and uh, uh, we just want to get the truth out. That's that's yeah. what my interest is. Yeah, but you know what, John? It strikes me about that, and and I know the folks at AM nine seventy and Jerry Crowley and, and your team as well at AM nine seventy. But the one thing that always struck me about you is you're civil, you're respectful, you're not a name caller. You work. You're you're a policy person. You care about the issues. So here's my question: Do you believe that President Trump's presidency? will help or hurt our ability to have civil discourse even when we disagree with each other, John? Uh, you're, you're talking a, a, an issue that has been brought up a lot. And the, again, um, it goes but back to But you're always a gentleman, John. You're always a gentleman. It comes back to personality. And um, in the long run, I think, President Trump, I was going to call him Donald because that's all I would always call him. <laughs> President Trump uh, will, you know, history is written by the winners. You, you read that someplace, didn't you? That's right. That's history right. is written by the winners. And I am scared stiff that there's a new crop in town that want to change American history. They want to take down the statues of, of, of uh, uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Who are these people that want to take these statues down? I mean, we are meant to understand history and, 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 and relate to history and learn from our mistakes, which I think Americans have done. I think Americans have learned from mistakes of slavery. I think uh, uh, Americans have learned from the, the way people treated minorities. And I think up to, up to uh, the COVID crisis, this was the greatest country in the world. This was the, our, our business climate was going up. American industries that had positioned themselves overseas were coming back to America. Jobs are coming back to America. Lowest unemployment. For the black community, the Asian community, the Hispanic community. But then COVID it, it, happened, so John Kessler. But then COVID happened. And how would you describe the president's leadership in dealing with COVID? How do you describe it? I think he did it. He moved as fast as he could possibly move because a lot of the doctors that were advising him, and I'll be very nice to everybody, Dr. Fauci is a friend of mine. I like the guy. But I think he was deceived. He was lied to by the Chinese on, on, on the problems, deceived and lied to, and then he in turn passed on that information to the President of the United States and the intelligence bureaus. Not that Dr. Fauci wanted to deliver bad information, but that's what happened. Now, you, let's go back to the, what happened. The Chinese knew how serious this was because in Wuhan, on a certain date, they stopped allowing airplanes to go to the rest of China. 
but kept them going to New York City, three airplanes a day into New York City and to Italy and to the rest of the, uh, Europe. So they were infecting. What happened in New York City, it's a Chinese problem. And look, I love the Chinese people. I think Chinese people are smart. They're very smart, very intelligent. But I shouldn't, when I say Chinese, I do not want to say the Chinese people. I meant the Chinese government, the Chinese communist government that China is run by. Hey, John, could you do this for us? Um, we're going to cut this segment short, but then I'm going to ask you to sit right there because I want to talk leadership with you because I, we do a show called Lessons in Leadership, and you know more about leadership than most. Can you sit right there for a few more minutes? I will do that. We'll be right back right after this. But on our Lessons in Leadership program, you're going to see John Kasmatidis, who's got an incredible story, and he is a strong leader. Be right back after this. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. We're now joined by our good friend and colleague, Bob Feinberg, Vice President, General Counsel and Secretary, WNET, and Founder and Chairman, Montclair Film Festival. How are we doing, Bob? Doing great, Steve. Thanks. I like your studio. <laughs> that would be the what? living room, yeah. Yeah, let me ask you something. Um, we're taping on the 22nd of October. You know our production. We put the date there. We let everyone know. How challenging for you to be juggling everything you're juggling at WNET, the film festival? Oh, yeah, family as well. How challenging for you? I need to ask that to all of our friends. You know, challenging, you know, like like for everybody else. I mean, I, I, I have to say we have two great kids. One just graduated from college. One is a junior at Northwestern. You know, my heart goes out to those people who have kids at home dealing with school and stuff. So as compared to that, I, I, can't, I can't complain. Yeah. So we're doing this on the 22nd. Let's talk film festival. Uh, October 16th to the 25th, 10 days film festival. It'll be seen after that. We'll plan for next year, talk about next year. Describe this year's film festival activities, remote, digital, virtual. Describe them and also the response to it. Go ahead, Bob. So really to, to describe the festival, you need, you need to go back and, and remember that th this is the ninth, the ninth annual festival. And for the last eight years, the festival has been the first 10 days of May. So back in March, remember back in March, seems like a couple of years ago, um, we were watching what was going on and we made what was at the time a very difficult decision to postpone the festival. Of course, now it's, you know, it goes without saying. So we, we postponed the festival without date and we followed what was going on, the CDC, New Jersey Department of Health, um, and ultimately decided that we could do the festival safely um, in October, as you said, from the 16th to the 25th. Um, but we would have to do it differently. So instead of eight or nine different movie theater venues in and around Montclair, um, we pivoted to a festival that is largely online, um, but that also includes about 14 drive-in movies. Um, so every night of the festival, there are two movies um, in a great, a lot over by South Mountain Reservation that the, that Essex County. It's a great uh, spot. Great spot. Years. Yeah, beautiful spot. 
um, we've got a um, uh, we've got a 52 foot screen, um, 4K projection, uh, space for 100 cars, all COVID compliant. Um, and every night we've been doing we've been doing two films there, uh, and then about 100 or more uh, features, documentaries, and shorts available through our virtual cinema. Uh, you can you can buy a ticket to one movie. You can buy a virtual pass to watch every movie if you want. And then we've got conversations uh, uh, sprink sprinkled in there. So that's what it looks like this year. And by the way, the uh, website for the Montclair Film Festival is up while, while Bob Feinberg's talking, so people can find out more on the website, right, Bob? Absolutely, MontclairFilm.org. Very easy. Yeah. So let's do this. You and I talk fundraising a lot, a lot. Not only do we have we raise money. <laughs> for public broadcasting for our not-for-profit production company that works very closely with WNET and NJTV. But Bob's also, and his colleagues, raising money, film festival. Raising money for not-for-profits, particularly the film festival, in these times, describe it. You know, very challenging. Um, we, we spent a number of months, March, April, May, really tamping down any fundraising because we were in the midst of the first wave. People were raising money for first responders, for life and death issues. And we thought, you know what, we should just, we should be quiet for a little while. So we've, we've quietly come back. Um, we're fundraising around things that are important to us, um, like our education program, which, which has pivoted and is now entirely online and is providing uh, education, uh, film, storytelling education for kids, high schoolers, adults. Um, we're uh, partnering with uh, some important uh, causes, some of the nonprofits that support us um, to help raise funds uh, around those, uh, those efforts. And, and we're raising money for, for Montclair Film. We're, we're a year-round uh, arts and education a nonprofit in Montclair, but serving, frankly, people from every county in New Jersey and from neighboring states. Um, so it's it's challenging, uh, and it requires, I think, sensitivity. Luckily, we've we've got a great uh, a great staff, and we've built great partnerships. So we're 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 moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, investors, a major underwriter of ours, uh, let's say very supportive of Montclair Film. Fair to say, Bob? Uh, you, you can't say enough. I mean, Kevin best, Cummings. under the leadership of Kevin Cummings, really a, an inspired leader and an entity that really is a is just an example for what uh, what for profits can and should do to support the communities in which they operate. Before I let you go, Bob, I got about a minute and a half left. Let me ask you this. Innovation, I'm fascinated by innovation and leadership. Uh, innovation, not an option, but a necessity. Status quo, no way, correct? It's very true. Certainly, you know, again, this year, moving to online for the festival, moving to online for our large fundraising events, we've had the great good fortune to have the support of, of Stephen Colbert. Evie, uh, his wife, is the president of our board. Stephen, every year, has done fundraising events for us, usually at NJPAC. Can't go to NJPAC right now, uh, although we hope we'll be able to go back there. So we're thinking, what's that, what's that event going to look like? So yes, 
and it, it, innovation is is key to, to our survival, frankly. And we are fingers crossed for the spring of 2021, correct? No, actually, we, we've, we've pivoted there too. The festival now is gonna be in October every year. So, and next year, next year's festival will be our 10th festival. So we're gonna be celebrating our 10th anniversary for all of 2021, more, more, more on that to come. And by the way, go to the Montclair Film um, website, Montclair Film Festival website. They'll give you all the information. And so you don't accuse me of fake news because I made a mistake there. Hey, Bob Feinberg, our friend and colleague, um, Montclair Film makes all the difference in the other part of our world together in public broadcasting. Uh, it's been great to be your brother shoulder to shoulder with our colleagues doing the work we're doing every day. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for everything you guys do. That's Bob Feinberg. I'm Steve Adubato. This is It says in the Zoom to black. That means we're done. Okay, that's it. I can read the cues. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Bob. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by Investors Bank, Hackensack Meridian Health, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, MD Advantage Insurance Company, the Russell Berry Foundation, Johnson & Johnson, ADP, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, and by NJ Best. Promotional support provided by NorthJersey.com and Local IQ, part of the USA Today Network, and by NJ On Air. I'm Tim Sullivan, CEO of the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Since joining the NJEDA, I've been struck by the incredible assets and resources that New Jersey has to offer. The NJEDA is working every day to grow New Jersey's economy in a way that maximizes the values of those assets to benefit every single New Jersey resident. This includes more support for small businesses and a focus on reclaiming New Jersey's position as a leader in the innovation economy. Visit NJEDA.com to learn more about how NJEDA is building a stronger and fairer New Jersey economy.